time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest question marks, answered right now. This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash. Well, very happy Monday to all of you waking up with the sun shining. And for some fans, you're smiling because of both the sun and you're smiling because your team just obliterated their in-state rival. And for those of you who root for the squads in New York, and no, I'm not talking about the Jets and Giants, boy, it couldn't look worse outside this morning for you. Welcome inside the Critical Eye podcast. Another episode coming at you here on a Monday. Isaac Petcash, Joe Ledneski, Jovan Johnson. The gang is all here as we get set for another exciting overreaction Monday on this week nine of the NFL season. So, guys, when I was younger, my mother always told me she she would always tell me I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. What do you want first? And I would always say the bad news. So we're going to start today with the bad news. Uh, let me ask a very convoluted question that both of you guys might have trouble understanding. So if you need a repeat, if you need it worded differently, I'll do that for you. What on earth is wrong with the Buffalo Bills? Anybody got an answer to that? Well, I know know where we can go, but there's something that I think we need to, to discuss here. I stumbled upon... The, uh, the best of Erie 2021. And there's a best TV personality category. And we didn't make the cut. Like, how, how could anybody accept this award with a clean conscience knowing that they didn't have to beat us out to get it? Like, that's BS. I, uh, I would, I would second that opinion, uh, but I, I don't read much into those kind of things. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's up for the public to decide. Anyway, uh, no, boy. <sighs> Joe, when we talked about it yesterday, come out and stand on their neck. You know, show us why we should buy you. Boy, really, really difficult to buy the Buffalo Bills. I understand Zach Moss got dinged. Singletary had six carries. They only ran the ball. 14 times, 14 times. And again, it, it's a, it's a number that you can manipulate however you want, but to be averaging five yards a carry and only run it 14 times is unconscionable. Jovan. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, we, we talked about this over and over and over again. It seems like the bills just refused to put the ball in the running back's hands. I mean, your quarterback can't continue to lead the offense and rushing is going to kill you in the playoffs and is, and is showing up right now uh, while their offense is sputtering. Like nobody's really respecting their run game and everybody's going to be able to, they're, they're going to be fine with Josh Allen running with the ball. No guys, it's really interesting when you look at the stat breakdown for this game, I look at the running game and yeah, it's abysmal. Josh Allen was the only reason Buffalo didn't completely squander the running game. But I, I, have a, I have a more scarier proposition for you guys. This is the second consecutive game now that Stephon Diggs has not caught a touchdown. It's the second consecutive game that Josh Allen has had a subpar passing performance. It's the first time since November 1st of 2020 that Josh Allen has not thrown a touchdown in a game. Two picks, 31 of 47, 264 yards and two INTs. 
Guys, are we starting to worry now about Josh Allen and his accuracy? Because I'll tell you what, he did not look good yesterday. I get every quarterback has bad games, but this was an abominably bad Jaguars defense ranked bottom of the NFL in nearly every single defensive category, and Buffalo can't even score an offensive touchdown. That, to me, is a scary proposition. We we talked a lot in the in the lead-up about, you know, Josh Allen's accuracy. And, you know, he's at right at 65 and a half percent. That's a, you know, that's a number that has to certainly improve. Obviously they didn't have Knox, who's probably the best tight end that 95% of the people in the world don't know about. I'm going to actually take a, a bigger step here. If, if you, and I know you can't do this, But if you eliminate the win at Tennessee on Monday night a couple of weeks ago, if you eliminate that, Jovan, what's the win that speaks the loudest to you otherwise? Was it the win over the lowly Dolphins? Was it the win over the awful football team in Washington? How about the shutout of the Texans? I mean, they beat the Chiefs, but, you know, the Chiefs have five new offensive linemen, still don't have their footing. Was it the, you know, barely cover win over the Dolphins? Like, I mean, I know it's fun to and easy to point to the quarterback, but again, like, I, I feel like if we have a, if we have a college football mentality conversation about looking at the Bills, and if you eliminate one game, what was the game, Jovan, that really convinced you that they're the team to beat in the AFC, and why? I mean, their schedule is is favorable for them. They don't have any wins that were, you know, that jump off the page. But, um, you know, their schedule is favorable for them to be, you know, the top team in the AFC. But all the good teams that they've played, they've lost. So, I mean, I, I can't say that they're the, the best team in the AFC right now uh, just with the way that they've been playing. Their defense – being ranked as high as they are and the offense being ranked as high as they are is because they haven't played anybody worth talking about. And it, it showed uh, this past weekend that they, they aren't who we thought they were. It's a scary proposition guys. When you look at the stats in this game, it's even scarier. The bills lost this game. In fact, they should have probably won this game by 30 plus points. Total yards. Jacksonville had 218 yards of total offense. Mind you, in the game, remember, Trevor Lawrence was out for a period of time. C.J. Beathard had to come in at the end of the first half to try to orchestrate a drive. The biggest thing, though, guys, for me, there there are two big things that I've got an issue with, is the offensive line and the penalties. You look at the offensive line play yesterday from Buffalo. Josh Allen was nailed by Josh Allen individually three times. Allen having a pick, a fumble recovery, and a sack of his namesake counterpart. And it seemed to me, guys, like the offensive line doesn't get any penetration. You you know where I'm going with this? What team last season was so unbeatable in the first 10 to 11 games of the regular season, but then couldn't run the football? I mean, this seems to me, guys, like a microcosm of the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, a team loaded with talent a team without question, one of the best rosters in football. This is a team that started off the year in Pittsburgh unbeatable. They could not have any sort of weakness on the offensive side of the football. 30 points, 30 points, 30 points. And then all of a sudden, the offensive line starts to cascade in. 
James Conner can't run the football and the rest is history. Are we seeing a similar trajectory for Buffalo? And listen, I'm not saying that this team isn't a playoff team or they're not a Super Bowl team, but I think we're now starting to get on a very similar trajectory to what we saw last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Buffalo now just a half a game ahead of New England for the division lead. Am, am I wrong on that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to an interesting sort of parallel for similar uh, circumstances. And I don't, I mean, I think, I think the, the, the fade of the Steelers is not quite the same thing as the bills because, you know, right out of the shoot in game one, losing to the Steelers was a head scratcher. I've not really watched the bills against a, a great opponent and felt very confident in them. Joe, is there any chance in your mind that Josh Allen has sort of been starstruck by his own stardom. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you watch Kansas City, like I find myself yelling at Patrick Mahomes, you know, it's almost as if these are like analytic baseball guys. Like Mahomes, when I watch Mahomes, like I just, I find myself screaming at the TV, just check it down. He's wide open. Just take the eight yard completion but he wants to push the ball vertically all the time. You know, we talk about Ben Roethlisberger, you know, kind of eating that humble pie and, and knowing that he's a game manager and he's got to make the decisions based on, you know, winning and not necessarily what he wants to do. Is Josh Allen in a similar spot by kind of ignoring what's right in front of him to pursue a narrative that might exist in his ears? Yeah, I think, I think Josh Allen is definitely – uh, in in his own way at that, so you speak. So he's he's trying to do too much. You know, he wants he wants everybody to take notice of him uh, being the star quarterback that everybody thinks he is. Well, it, it's okay to check the ball down. You know, do certain things that you know is going to allow you to be successful. Tom Brady was the master of it in New England. He didn't have to pitch to push the ball vertically all the time. He checked the ball down to his running backs and allowed those guys to run with the football. Um, you know, Josh Allen is, is getting in his own way, uh, trying to do too much, trying to force the ball down the field. And teams are starting to pick up on what they want to do. And they're not allowing it to happen. So, you know, you're going to have to use the check down. They're going to have to run the ball. We, we talk about it over and over and over again. They, the running backs can't have six or seven carries. I mean, I think, honestly, Moss and Singletary are both checked out at this point because they think they're not going to get the ball. So it, it's kind of like, you know, you give them the ball and they're, they're not running as hard as they once were earlier in the year. You know, it's just like they, they just don't expect the football. Hey, Joe, but I had a question for you as, as a former member of the secondary yourself and as a, as a defensive stud that you were. Did, did you get a sense when you were playing teams that were becoming one dimensional that you could play a more aggressive style of football. We saw that yesterday with Jacksonville. I mean, they would rush six, seven guys at a time. It's why guys like Josh Allen could get to the quarterback so easily in the game. And it's not even the Jacksonville's a spectacular defense. It just seemed like they were so predictable with Buffalo that the Jaguars just said, you know what, screw it. We're just going to run six or seven guys into the box. Did you get a sense that some teams that you played just didn't feel confident that they could run the football effectively? And did that change your strategy so that you guys could be more aggressive? Absolutely. As a defensive back, you're, you're preying on guys that have to throw the football. If, if they have to throw the ball, you know, now, now the opportunity for you to make plays is, is there all the time. 
And then the offensive, I mean, the defensive front is licking their chops because they know they're not going to run, so they don't have to two-gap and, and they can get to the quarterback every snap. Like, it was definitely, um, you know, a sight to see whenever there was teams that couldn't run the ball and they were going to have to throw it 50 times a game. I'm, I'm sitting back just waiting on the opportunity to, to pounce on the ball and, and intercept it. So, you know, I know defenses are starting to play that way against the Buffalo Bills, and they're, they're sending six, sending seven, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback, forcing them to throw quick, and then teams are just going to sit there and they're going to jump routes, and they're going to sit back and just take away any first uh, throw that he looks at, and then he's going to hold the ball, and they're going to be getting sacks on the quarterback. They're looking for that. It's amazing how things change in the blink of an eye. The Buffalo Bills, which seem to be riding high on cloud nine despite a tough week against Miami, now they're at five and three, and now all of a sudden, look, New England Patriots are breathing down on your necks, and that schedule that looked so easy at first now suddenly doesn't look that cakewalkish anymore. You got to play New England twice. You got to play the Colts. You have another couple of tough games, one of them against the L.A. Rams. Not going to be easy, Buffalo. We'll see how it plays out for the Bills. Okay, so that's the bad news, guys. Let's get to the good stuff. Cleveland Browns fans, how much on cloud nine are you feeling today? Cleveland utterly decimates Cincinnati at Paul Brown Stadium yesterday, 41 to 16. It's the Browns' second best offensive output of the season, although they had some junk plays. A 70-yard touchdown run by Nick Chubb. He had a buck 37 on the ground and two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield, two touchdown passes, including a 60-yard bomb to Donovan Peoples-Jones. That blew the game open for Cleveland. A 99-yard pick six by Denzel Ward, just to name a few. Guys, I'm just going to put it out there. This Browns offense... 10 times better without OBJ. I think Baker Mayfield looked so in his element, something that I did not see him in last week when they lost to the Steelers or the week before when Case Keenum had to go in and play the uh, Denver Broncos. It seems like Baker Mayfield has almost been released and it showed yesterday. What do you guys think? I want to know if that was the team sort of thumbing their nose at OBJ. You know, we talked about that yesterday, Joe, but we're, Where's the headspace? You know, who are they as a team? Is, is Baker their guy? Well, now I think you might acknowledge that Baker is their guy. I, I thought that that was one of the better performances that we've had uh, out of the Browns defense. We talked about, you know, for you know quite some time, all of the draft capital that they have in the back end of that secondary. When are they going to come to play? Where where are we going to see this defense that everybody talks about? And I know that everybody's going to have a clunker, yada, yada, yada. But Joe Burrow has been really good and they kept him in check. And I think that uh, that secondary finally came to play Denzel Ward. That was, I mean, what a thing of beauty that dude can fly. And again, you know, I, I heard a great, it was the stat of the day on Dan Patrick this morning, Nick Chubb, is on pace in four years, in four years, to have 5,000 career rushing yards and average five yards a carry. Now, I know he's got a little bit more work. Joe Bond, there's only been one other NFL running back to do that. Do you know who it is? I don't. A guy named Jim Brown. Ever hear of him? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just like – I know that we're in this, and we just talked about this with 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 uh, the likes of Josh Allen and, and the likes of Mahomes. And, OB, you know what, 
listen, OBJ, you're fine, but to hell with you. This is who we are. We've got a back that can be mentioned in the same statistical breath with Jim Brown. And you're pouting because you're not getting enough targets? Get out of here. Guys, I, I want to make a quick point, and I, I'm not trying to rain on the Browns parade. It seemed like yesterday was a game of big plays. Uh, it, to, to, to me, I mean, the Browns had 14 total first downs. Do you think this offense is capable of keeping up those big plays as the season goes on? Because, again, we talked about we know Baker Mayfield looked more free. We know that Nick Chubb seemed like he was back in his element. Uh, do, do you think the big plays can come more early and often for Cleveland? Because it seemed like they just straight up went for it on Sunday. I don't know, Jovan, what's your thoughts? I mean, I think Joe said it uh, when we talked earlier in the week, the Cleveland Browns, the biggest key to their success coming into this week was Donovan Peoples Jones. And he went out there and he hit them boys, you know, on target, got them the ball but their run game opened up the pass. And that's what we've been talking about for the Bills over and over and over again is do they run the ball to open up the pass game? Well, Baker Mayfield showed that if you run the ball effectively, it's going to open up targets. And yes, they made big play after big play after big play and their defense made big plays. And it was just a contagious thing where they just went out and they played well as a whole unit, all three phases, they play well. So I think they're going to continue to do that. I don't know if they're going to continue to make big plays, but they're going to keep their offense on the field because they lean on their run game and they're let they, they let their workhorse do what he does best. And then that's going to continue to open up the pass game. And that's what they did. Tell you what, guys, this is now a very competitive AFC North. You've got the Ravens at six and two Pittsburgh, four and three. They can move to five and three tonight. Baltimore and Cincinnati, or rather Cleveland and Cincinnati, both at five and four here as we continue along the Critical Eye podcast. Man, things change. Aren't they wonderful? Upsets abound yesterday. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. We got a game tonight, Monday Night Football, Steelers and Bears. And on paper, it would make sense to think that Pittsburgh could win this game by two touchdowns. But judging from what we've seen this last 24 hours, I'm not so sure. Let, let's preview the Pitt Steelers and Bears tonight, guys. Is this a trap game? For Mike Tomlin, if there's one kryptonite Achilles heel, call it whatever you want to call it for Mike Tomlin, it's games like these, right? Winnable games, games that you should clearly win, bar none, that the Steelers just seem to slip up and not have the kind of success. Is tonight a concern for Pittsburgh, knowing that Chicago is coming in in shambles? What do you guys say about tonight, Steelers and Bears? I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, I, I watched, you know, the Bills the Bills absolutely laid a rotten egg only to be backed up by the Rams laying a, a bigger egg. And, you know, that Aaron Donald roughing the passer call was awful. But, I mean, there's no doubt that you, you got to – this is the no fun league, right? Like, there's no – like, there's there's teams that aren't – good in comparison but there's no guy out there that's not any good like everybody out there is good um i i just i I think again you know along similar thinking to the to the browns i i I think you just have to have an organizational thought job on if you're the steelers shorten the game We're, we're running the ball a little bit more effectively we've got a lousy quarterback on the other side of us, the, the bears are not good. Shorten the game, 
play defense, really get in the young kid's head. Don't let, don't let them find a rhythm and keep plugging along. Cause guess what? We've got the lions next week and that's another winnable game. And, you know, we went on this ebb and flow emotional roller coaster. I think it's okay to change your identity. I just, I've, we've said this at, at nauseum. Are, is Roethlisberger going to, you know, accept this new identity as, as to who they are? Because I don't see the old one, you know, as a winning philosophy any longer. Yeah, the formula for success for Pittsburgh is to put the ball in Najee Harris's hands. L- allow him to have 25, 26, possibly 30 carries uh, in, in a game where Khalil Mack may not play. You know, the defensive front for the Bears is banged up. You know, allow Roethlisberger to hand the ball off, check it down to the running backs, let them do what they do in space, and just control the game. Keep the offense on the field and keep the Bears on the sideline. I think that's going to be their key to success. And not let Justin Fields hurt you with, with his legs because I think the defense is going to play well. It's just when when he starts to move around and, uh, and get uh, escape the pocket, uh, he could do some things with his legs. But if you keep that in check, I think the, the Steelers win, and I think they hand them a big loss. But, uh, you know, every, anything's up in the air at this point. Guys, I'm going to make a quick comment, and I want to see how, how true this rings out. Three weeks ago, we were talking about something completely different, Bills unbeatable, Browns seemingly unconquerable, Pittsburgh in the shambles. I'd argue today, if you're picking one of the three local teams, Bills, Browns, and Steelers, that you feel the best about, not saying the most confident about, but the best about, you're probably favoring Pittsburgh at this point. A- am, I, am I wrong by saying that? I mean, we, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. We'll actually be at the game, so we'll watch it live. But, I mean, is it safe to say that if you're a Steelers fan right now, you're the most optimistic of the three teams? Because I think at this point, there's all, still a lot of clouds, not around, uh, again, around every team, but something about the Steelers team, it sings differently than it did last year. Well, I think, I think we're getting caught up in the moment. I'm going to, I think you need to pump the brakes there real, real quick, Isaac, because the, the teams to me that are the, still the teams to beat, and, and, and maybe, maybe I'm going to make an argument against myself here as I say the Baltimore Ravens, I know they've got a lot of injuries in the, the running game, but if 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 we get to sort of pick and choose how we're going to address things here, the Steelers are behind the eight ball because in terms of playmakers, their quarterback is last of the four, right? Now, if they're going to start running the football more, more and shorten the game, the, the Steelers' defense collectively is better than, any, than anybody else. But to me, I think the Browns are still, you know, it's like the, you know, the, the, the three, the three little bears and, you know, it's just too hot. It's too cold. It's just about right. I think the Browns are just about right. When they get Kareem Hunt back, you know, they've got a, a plethora of, of tight ends and Baker Mayfield is not, you know, he's not Peyton Manning, but that defense, they got it. They, they've got arguably the best pass rush, certainly right up there with Pittsburgh They've got some great secondary play. I just think that when all things come together, top to bottom in all three phases of the game, I still think the Browns are the best team in that division. And now Baker Mayfield's got his boy out of there, and he's got a lot to prove. I don't know what you think, Joe, but I think when you take everything in, 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 a, in a microcosm here, in a vacuum, I should say, and it 
and it works as it should, I still think the Browns are the best team. Uh, I'm going to have to beg to differ. I think the, the Ravens are the best team in that division, and they've shown that. I mean, to, to go down your three best running backs going into the year and have to put in, you know, guys like Devontae Freeman and, and you know, Le'Veon Bell, who aren't bad players at all, but they're, I believe, past their prime. But they, Lamar Jackson is is the key to success for for the Baltimore Ravens. They, he just goes out and wins games. I mean, the, the guy is unbelievable. He's Superman, and their defense stays off the field because Lamar can keep them on the sideline. I mean, I think that the Browns are a close number two right now with how hot they're playing. They're playing in all three phases really, really well. And uh, with OG OBJ out of the lineup now, and Baker Mayfield able to focus on the guys that he do have with less of an ego. I think the Browns are, are are the team trending, but the Steelers are as well. I mean, I think both teams are are headed in the right direction, and the Bengals are headed backwards. Javon, the only the only thing I hang on, Isaac. The only thing I disagree with you is is that the rate you're. I think you're living in in the past. The Ravens' defense, I don't think, is good enough. And as much fun as Lamar Jackson is, I don't think he's accurate enough as a passer to get involved in a shootout with a comparable quarterback because they're giving up 375 yards a game. I mean, the Browns are literally 60 plus yards a game less. And I just think that if everything is working swimmingly, I don't think that the Ravens defense is good enough to put them as the best team. That's my, that's my only thing. I agree. I agree with the the, the idea that the Browns have, have the best defense. Sorry, <laughs> but um, I think the Ravens, their offense with Lamar Jackson and, and the ability to keep their defense on the sideline is what they can score points with anybody. And you know, if, as long as they get their defense to continue to get Lamar the ball back, I think they they are the better team uh, in that division. But the Browns are clicking on all cylinders, so. I mean, it'll it'll come down to the wire and be a sight to see. Guys, I'm going to bookmark this conversation in weeks 12 and 14 when Cleveland plays Baltimore back-to-back and what I think, first of all, is an incredible scheduling fallacy. But nonetheless, these guys get to play each other twice. Reminder, too, this division has not played much against each other at all this year. No other team's played more than two divisional games so far, so we still got a lot left to go. Steelers-Bears tonight. We'll have a full report tonight and tomorrow morning. Erie News Now will be down at the game. Hopefully we can see at least some offensive production from Ben Roethlisberger in the crew. Okay, guys, I want to close the show out with this. This is an issue that I think needs to be addressed. Joe, I don't know what high school games, if any, you were at on Friday or Saturday. Jovan and I were at the game of the week in Edinburgh when Northwestern fell to Wilmington. The Greyhounds are going to play Farrell this Friday for the D10 title in 2A. I was at Titusville on Saturday for a night game, General McLean and Warren. It was probably was the best game of the entire week. Uh, although... What I didn't really see were a lot of fans. Now, I am not trying to say that the fan bases for these high schools are bad because I think that there are a lot of people, a lot of parents, a lot of boosters that come out and support their team. But the announced attendance for the game specifically, let's say, for example, against Sheridan Hickory, less than 1,300. The other playoff games, the one at Edinburgh, Jovan, we saw plenty of empty seats. There, I think, is a big problem when it comes to District 10 playoff games about attendance you've got plenty of these teams plenty of these rivalries that are happening on a week-by-week basis in the postseason and you're just not drawing people I want to start with you Joe because I I know you're in the high school sphere as well 
What is the problem? Why are we not getting people to these games? Well, uh, to my understanding, District 10, for starters, is the only district in the state of Pennsylvania that does not have student ticket prices. Now, the online notion, I don't understand. I mean, you know, online is kind of a pain. I mean, it's not like you're going to an NFL game and you got to get through a security check, right? But I mean, let's be honest, you know, I got, you know, I got two kids and a wife, but I mean, you know, there are a lot of families that are larger. I mean, dropping a $50 bill to go to a high school playoff game. Really? I, I mean, I, I think you got to look at everything and, you know, in the, the current climate, I think it starts with price and I think it's like 10 bucks to get in. I don't know, but it, I know it's a significant amount of money that again, uh, you know, is it, is it worth that kind of money to take the, the fam to a high school football game? I mean, Jovan, you and I were at Edinburgh on the sidelines on Friday, and don't get me wrong, there were fans from both sides that traveled, but I mean, I think you and I can both agree, Jovan, imagine that game on Friday with a full stadium. Imagine the difference. I mean, it just, it seems very frustrating. You feel bad for the kids who work their butts off day in and day out, and they get to a stadium and I'm not saying you got to pack it with 10,000 people, but at least more than what you would see on a regular Friday night. And I think Joe Vaughn, to me, that took away from some of the atmosphere of what could have been a great game and some great games around the region. Yeah, that game started out pretty good, but, you know, the, the fan base following both teams, you know, and all of District 10 has fell off significantly. Uh, I think a lot of the fans that were there were relatives of the players and, you know, not really – uh, you, you didn't see a student section. You didn't see, you know, the the fans that are attending the schools. Um, that's probably to Joe's point that they don't have student pricing. And that, that's a big issue in District 10 because, you know, usually when a game is played in the playoffs, all of the students are there and they're creating that student section and that atmosphere to cheer those players out there on that field on. But, you know, we didn't see that. And, it, and it's it's sad, but you know, hopefully, you know, they'll they'll figure things out in District 10 and, and figure out a way to, to include, incorporate student pricing because that's going to be a big deal going forward. Jovan, when you were in high school and, and you played in your days here in Erie County, what was the attendance like there? Was it better? Was it worse? I mean, what, what was the gist? How, how important to you was the crowd? I mean, I know you're focusing on the field, of course, but how important was it to have a crowd behind you? And what were crowds like when you played in your high school days? I mean, I, I remember back when I played, you know, my school that I played at Mercer's Prep, you know, we only had about 1,500 students. But at a playoff game, we probably have five, 600 students just in the student section alone. That's not even parents. There's That's not uh, anything other than just the students from the school. So, I mean, it was live. And I remember when Prep used to play back in those days, they would have attendance on average of 4,000, 5,000, sometimes six or seven depending on who they were playing against. Prep and McDowell games back then were 10,000, 8,000 attendance. It was, it was ridiculous. I have a, I have a question because I don't think it's limited to. I, I think it's a, an issue, but I just wanted to bounce this off you guys because, I, I, again, I, I think it's a, a much larger problem because we see less participants as well. I mean, you know, how many – you know, how many rosters are, are hardly 
you know, completed in, in terms of, you know, Franklin was dressing like 25 kids. I mean, like that, you know, Franklin used to be a big school, but, you know, I wonder if the craziness of youth sports, Joe Bond, has potentially driven away an audience. I mean, now that, you know, you've got eight and, you know, eight-year-old travel baseball where, you know, kids are getting their, their hearts ripped out before they really even develop as an athlete. And I just wonder if we're not pushing people away from sports because so many kids are getting into this competitive atmosphere at such a young age. And I just, I wonder if that's not part of the equation in terms of, of how these things happen. I mean, if, if you get turned off from a sport because of crazy parents or a, a crazy coach, I mean, if you've had a bad experience, aren't you more likely just to be turned off by sports in general? Yeah, I mean, it, it's getting wild. Uh, the, I'm, I'm not a fan of the number of travel teams in, in whatever sport at a young age, like the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Travel teams aren't really going to get you exposure at that age. It, I mean, it's good to see that competition, but it's not really benefiting you, you know, as far as the exposure goes. A lot of people say, well, they want to, they want to compete against the best. Well, you know, that's fine and dandy, but at, at that young of an age, is it really going to make that much of a difference? I mean, it's not really going to help you that much. The coaches aren't going to remember you from seven, eight, once you become a, a 11th, 12th grader, they're going to recruit you, you know, as is, and you're going to be as advertised. You could be, because a lot of kids at that age, when, when you're so young, you, you develop differently. And, and, you know, some kids will be the best of the best at seven, eight, but when they get to high school, they're merely forgot about. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a gift and a curse because I don't really believe in travel sports, you know, play for the teams that's around the area and, and see what you're made of. I'm all about competition. It's amazing. And we'll, and I'll end with this. I had a conversation on Saturday with none other than Ryan Toole. He was at the General McLean versus Warren game at Titusville High School less than 24 hours after his team was eliminated from the postseason in our game of the week against Wilmington. And I was talking to him, and we were, we were chatting about some things that um, he was looking at for the future, and he had disclosed to me a couple of injuries that he had gotten throughout the season. And I said, well, you know, aren't you taking some time off? Aren't you, you know, trying to, to focus on getting better? He said, well, yeah, but I got a couple of college visits I got to go to as well. And he actually had told me that he was just gone to a college visit on Saturday, the same day that he goes to the football game. I think the, and I, and we know how popular sports are and I think they should be, but the idea to ingrain that only into kids and essentially make it their entire life it's tough. And in talking with Ryan, and I'm sure there are other athletes too, if that's your whole life, it's a lot of pressure to put on somebody, especially at that young of an age, uh, to be able to have success throughout the week and throughout their year. And uh, I think that's just a microcosm of that as well. But we got a lot more high school football playoff on Friday. Jovan, you and I are going to be at Meadville and General McLean. That game is going to happen at Edinburgh University. We also got Cochranton Reynolds for the 1A final, which I cannot believe is at Greenville High School. Makes no sense. But uh, shout out to uh, the District 10 for making that playoff game nowhere near where it should be with Cochranton being the higher seed. But regardless, 
a lot of high school football playoffs going on. Guys, quickly before we go, uh, predictions for tonight. Jovan, Joe, Steelers or Bears? I think the Steelers get it done. Um, I, I think I think I think Ben Roethlisberger in, in some instances, you know, feels that his legacy is on the line. And uh, I mean, there for a while, you know, he was really looking like Jordan in a, in a Wizards uniform. I just wonder if he's not kind of embracing this thing with open arms and just being like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I want to be a winner. I want to talk about my win percentage. I want to talk about this because really statistically speaking, he's never been in, in the conversation. It's always been about winning and maybe he comes full circle. Remember that first year when they went 15 and one and he was a rookie. I think the most pass attempts he had in that, uh, in that entire season was 24. Jovan, who do you like? I, I like the Steelers as well. I think the Steelers are gonna are gonna win in a close one. Um, you know, I, they haven't beaten the Bears in the three times prior that they played. The Bears are three and zero against the Steelers, so I'm 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 taking the Steelers in this one. Uh, just they're a better team, and they're and I think they're gonna run the ball effectively, and they're they're gonna be able to open up the pass game. And I think the 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 uh, Steelers will win this one and a close one, probably seven to 10 points. Yeah. I'm with you too, Jovan. I'm, I'm with the both of you. Quick reminder too: the last time the Steelers beat the bears by my record at Heinz field, 2006, same year, the Jerome Bettis rode off into the sunset when Pittsburgh beat the lions in super bowl 40, but Hey, uh, omens, I guess are at least only good if you make good on them. So, with that, we are ending today's Critical Eye podcast. Another cool show as we move through now November and a weird weather day here on this Monday. We will be back on Friday with Joe and Joe Vaughn. We'll preview the high school football playoff schedule. We'll talk about the NFL. We'll also have a little bit of a talk, too, about some other things because, as we know, the week is unpredictable. All right, folks, we'll see you back here on Friday. This has been the Critical Eye podcast. Enjoy your Monday, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.